welcome back to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who welcomed in a second son just a few weeks ago, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Man, with that introduction and the the excitement brewing from the from us coming back, I am doing so much better. I am awake. I am alive. I am ready to do this. I'm going on four hours of sleep. Let's do it. Let's oh, rock. Yeah, four hours, man. That is that's got to be a record for having a newborn, man. Um. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. My wife lets me sleep too. She my wife lets me get me gets too much sleep, so she's she's too good. So yes, four hours and comes a couple naps here and there. But yes, I'm doing really good. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing really well. You, you brought up my excitement. I think my excitement stems probably from the hatred of the Mariners fans at this point. Um, it just, it's, it's been a bloodbath, a war zone. Um, you know, just, just everything that's transpired since we haven't been here, you know, we haven't shot an episode in a few weeks. Everything that transpired is just turned this whole off season on its head. People expect things to happen at the start of December. We're not even really fully into the off season and they are just flipping out. And if we had explicit content on this podcast, I'd probably be using some expletives right here, but I'm keeping a PG today. It's just been a very, very weird time since, since we last shot Bo. It is. And I just want to I just want to say this, like, let's not pretend that there's no reason that they shouldn't be upset. Let's just let's just all let's just all take a breather here. Right. Like, that. let's yeah. just let's just pretend that there's not reasons to not, to be upset here. Right. Like, let's just let's just all take a breath. Right. Let's it'll be fine. It'll be OK. But like there are plenty of reasons to be upset at particular individuals within the Mariners ownership group and maybe some other places. But like. Let's all just take a breather, right? Like, let's, let's uh, we'll, we'll get through this. It's just baseball. What is that guy? What is that hockey? What does that hockey mean? Why you have to get mad? It's only game, right? It's only it's, game. It's only game. Um, yeah. However, you know, there are still reasons to be upset. I think especially particular people in the ownership group, which we'll certainly dive into. But um, just want to just want to like there's reasons for some of that anger. I guess I'm just going to throw that out there. So there you go. Are you trying to bring the level headed response here, Bo? Is that what you're trying to do right now? Uh, maybe, maybe that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be an enlightened centrist. How does that sound? Yeah. You're, so there you go. Too, th- those words are too big for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. My, my vocabulary, I don't have my dictionary handy. Those words are too big for me. <laughs> Before we get into everything, thank you for returning to listen to another podcast, the Forks Down podcast here. Um, that's, you know, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. We've missed you. Um, I've been keeping track of the numbers, you know, through our little hiatus and, uh, you know, just the amount of people that have listened to our episodes, not even just our last episode, our last like four or five. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, cool. Seeing those numbers go up every week. Um, if you're a first time listener, Hey, you're catching this podcast at a very good time. Very good time. You know, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Seattle Mariners baseball club. So welcome aboard to the Forks Down podcast. I'm Rick. I've got Bo with me. 
you know, we've been doing this. This is episode. I, I can't remember the count already. It's 89, 90. We're, we're almost to a hundred episodes. I feel like we need to have a big celebration when we hit that, but you know, thanks for choosing us and hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk now in the future, you know, whenever, you know, we'll be here. Um, just shooting the breeze about the Mariners. Um, you can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, find us on threads, go search forks down podcast. Um, you can also hit like, and subscribe on your podcast listening app. Um, you'll get notified about new episodes dropping. Um, you can rate us one to five stars. If you really like us, give us five stars. It'll help raise us up the charts of your podcast listening app. Um, if you don't like us, give us a one star and tell us why we suck. You know, that's what we're here for. We love criticism, especially Bo. Bo takes criticism so well. So... <laughs> That's me. You know it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but without further ado, let's hop into the transactional notes here. Um, there is a lot of them. We're not going to we're going to touch on all of them. We might not dive deep into all of them. <coughs> Excuse me. So here we go. Um, we're just going to start with the minor moves. Marlins have claimed Caleb Ort from the Mariners. Marlins claimed Ryan Jensen from the Mariners. Mets claim Cooper Hummel from the Mariners. Um, Mariners signed Rangel Ravello to a minor league deal. And also Brett DeGeis, Goose, Geis. I think it's Geis. Brett DeGeis to a minor league deal. Of the minor, you know, deals that we're talking about here, I think the only one that we should touch on is Cooper Hummel. Um, of course, he was traded uh, basically one, one for one with Kyle Lewis, you know, Diamondbacks. Um I don't feel like there was a winner in that trade. Kyle Lewis um, was hurt for most of the season. Cooper Hummel, Hummel started the season on the Mariners roster and then was sent to the minors never to be seen again. Um, cool that he might get a shot with the Mets, but, you know, sayonara. And maybe <laughs> someone brought this up. Maybe we go out inside Kyle Lewis again. I just don't see it happening. I think that time is uh, very much come and gone, but... Um, you got any parting words for Mr. Cooper Hummel? No, I was, I was kind of surprised. Like, uh, I don't really know. I mean, I'm, I mean, I've been trying to follow things the last couple of, obviously been following things the last couple of weeks, but I like, I didn't know a lot of these guys were put on like waivers, Cooper Hummel. And, um, you know, in addition to that, so those are kind of a little bit of a surprise to me, but ultimately, you know, understand why the Mariners, I think did what they did. I think with, uh, you know, Cooper Hummel was kind of running out of uh, a place to play. Um, you know, the Mariners brought in uh, as a Blake Hunt, and then obviously Sebby came in a couple days after that. But um, yeah, it makes sense. He'll, you know, the Mets are taking a step back next season, so maybe he'll get a shot there at some point. But uh, yeah, no, funny. I was looking, I was looking at the uh, the free agent list the other day, and I saw Kyle Lewis on there, and I was like, well, we are looking for a right-handed hitter, but um, <laughs> uh, probably not, probably not in the cards for the Mariners currently. So uh, yeah, trade is pretty much a wash. Yeah, I think the. Uh... The person that uh, brought that up, I don't know if you saw it, Bo, on my Facebook page, was an old friend of ours, Mr. Jason Elliott, um, writes for the Coeur Press, a uh, very good writer, was uh, the sports writer in the Silver Valley when I was growing up, so covered a lot of my football games and stuff like that. I think he's the one that mentioned that, and uh, I can't remember who else he mentioned to bring back, but uh, my thoughts were, do you want this fandom to implode? Like... Moves like that will 
absolutely get people to boycott. So um, I think he was saying in jest, but um, yeah, shout out Jason. If you listen, thank you for listening. You know, so um, moving on from kind of the minor deals, uh, one that's a little bit bigger. Um, <clears throat> Mike Ford was non-tendered. Um, he was non-tendered to make way for Zach Deloche on the 40 man to protect him in the rule five draft, um, which is already come and gone. Uh, we won't talk really much about the rule five draft because the Mariners did not select anyone. So, um, again, Mike, you know, another minor one, uh, we figured Mike Ford wasn't going to be coming back. Um, he did have a couple of moments this year that, um, were fun, particularly, uh, July 4th, you know, his, his game there was a pretty good one. Um, and he also hit, uh, my mind's escaping me like one or two home runs against the Astros that were fun to see. But other than that, um, Mike Ford, we hardly knew the, um, hopefully you find a new home this season. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I think it was kind of expected with Mike Ford, um, rougher end of the year. And, um, the only thought could be that, you know, the first base situation, like, yes, it's obviously Ty France right now, but who knows there. Um, but I think maybe the Mariners are looking for some other offensive upgrade and Mike Ford's a left-handed hitter. So very left-handed right now is looking to get more right-handed. So it makes sense there. Um, I know they selected Zach Deloach and I think Jerry put out a pretty you know nice comment about him and all that, but, um, you know, we'll see what Zach Deloach has when he gets here. But, um, you know, if Zach Deloach was really that good, then why didn't we see him last year, right? Like when he was still hitting really well in Tacoma. Like that's my my question about that, but not to knock him right now. But, um, yeah, we'll see what Zach Deloach has there, I guess. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I got on all I got on the tenders and the signings there. Yep, yep. Um, of course there were some other minor ones, uh, of former Mariners. I know Easton McGee, I think got picked up. Um, but <laughs> it's funny, we're going to dive into these trades here and, uh, some of these trades, you know, a couple of these players aren't even on the team we traded them to anymore. So, um, you know, we'll get into, especially that last one, but let's start with the first one. Isaiah Campbell gets traded to the Boston Red Sox. Um, you know, in return, the big piece being Luis Urias, um, I was okay with this trade. Um, you know, Luis Urias did have a down year. Um, I think some of that probably stemmed from, you know, again, I, I, I know people didn't want to bring it up, but I think the world baseball classic took a toll on some of these players. Um, and so I think, uh, I think he's going to bounce back a little bit. Um, obviously I don't want him to be the big trade or signing that the Mariners get this season. Um, you know, I, I obviously want something bigger, but, um, you know, should be a good complement to that infield, you know, that we have right now and, and could potentially be seeing some time at third base, especially with the next trade we're going to talk about happening. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Urias? Um, yeah, I, I really like, I like Urias. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good get, especially for, you know, um, a bullpen arm. Um, I think it's also just a testament that the Mariners bullpen arms just continue to be this this factory, right. Of, um, you know, um, quality pitchers that then teams end up wanting to desire and go get. So I think that's still a, you know, a good net positive for the Mariners there. So I think on that front, 
Um, and I like Urias. He's had, you know, he's had success the last, um, you know, 2021 and 2022. Um, you know, he was hampered by injuries in 2023. Um, but there's a very, I mean, there's a, there's a likely scenario that maybe he goes back to that, right? We're not talking about a Colton Wong that's in his thirties. We're talking about a guy that's, um, I think going to be into his age 27 season, um, coming this year. So, you know, it's still a little bit of a reclamation project with the Mariners don't, which the Mariners currently don't have a, a super, um, good track record on, but, um, there's a, there's obviously, I think something there to, to see what we've gotten him. Um, you know, a really good article on fan graphs talking about just to kind of another change of scenery for him. And, um, you know, hopefully it's uh, another bout of confidence. The Mariners can kind of give him with trying to give him the third base job. So, um, I, uh, I would say that, you know, from a number standpoint, um, you know, 110, 110 WRC plus 112 WRC plus in years past, it wasn't as hot in 2023. Um, you know, you really hope that those are just entry related, but, um, you know, as it currently stands, steamer projections has a pretty nice one Oh three, you know, WRC plus for him, um, is only based off hundred games, but there's some value there to be had certainly. And if he becomes a two win player, I think that replaces the value that you likely had in Gino. So, um, that's the, that's the hope for Urias and hopefully he can be able to kind of stick there and, you know, hold out the job for third base, um, for, you know, at least most of the year anyways. Yep. You brought up Gino. That is the next trade that kind of happened while we were gone. Gino Suarez to the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks traded a couple people back, one of which being Carlos Vargas, the other being Sebi Zavala. Um, you know, this is this this starts the downhill trend for for people talking about the Mariners. Um, you know, I get that Gino was likely a, a leader in that clubhouse. He was a very well liked guy. Um, you know, but I I you know, we're going to dive into it. I, I do feel like there's some at bats towards the end of the season that um, left a lot to be desired, you know, whether it be strikeouts or the like, and it's not completely on him. You know, it wasn't just, you know, Suarez that was doing that. That was Teo. That was, that was Julio. I mean, Julio had a very, very bad time in the ninth inning in September. Um, so, uh, Mariners offloaded it as a salary dump and, and in return got Sebi Zavala, a, a backup uh, catcher, most likely for this team, played for the White Sox, um, a couple other teams there. And then Carlos Vargas, a uh, a power arm, you know, that, that just can't really keep it under control from what I read. But why don't you give me more on, on those two players that we got in return? Uh, sure. So I think with Carlos Vargas, um... <clears throat> I think it's very, um, I would say, similar to what the Mariners hope to have done with Andres Munoz, right? I think that there's um, a lot of him in the in Carlos Vargas. Um, you know, does going to throw you know his fastball quite often, um, and that's really kind of where um, uh, you know he's going to kind of live and die is with the fastball currently, right? Um, you know, it'll push 99, 100 miles per hour. Um, in addition to, you know, that sinker, that two seamer, um, those are going to be kind of his two key pitches. Um, so it doesn't really throw a slider. So it's a little different than what the Mariners have had in the past, but, um, who knows what, you know, guys come to camp with, um, in February. So we'll see what they're kind of throwing, but, um, you know, power pitcher going to be that way. Um, and, you know, with the Mariners track record of bullpen arms, you just hope that this is another guy that maybe they can work on and get a little bit of his control under, you know, under control that is, and, you know, hopefully they find another kind of gem here, right. Of this kind of just this pipeline that the Mariners have built there. So um, we'll see what that kind of ends up being the case for him. 
And then Sebi Zalva, um, honestly, I honestly don't know too much about Sebi, but, um, you know, I kind of just treated Sebi as a very classical um, backup catcher at this point, right? Um, could play a pretty solid defense, which I think is, um, you know, going to be his hallmark for him as he is our backup catcher. Um, you know, not going to expect much from the offensive side. I think that's just the, just the nature of it there. But when you have Cal Raleigh there, um, you know, I think that's just the case. You know, Sebi's going to catch you know, every three days, something like that. So I have a three or four days somewhere in there. So as to be expected, um, but uh, you know, Alba ends, um, you know, thought of maybe Tom Murphy coming back though. Um, so I think for, for filling the needs, I feel like these were filling the needs and some potential there. These were two good gets. Um, is it worth Eugenio? Um, is it worth Eugenio and 12 million or whatever, $11 million that Eugenio was having? I don't think so. Um, and no, uh, that's no, obviously, and this is obviously, I think this move in isolation, um, we kind of say, mm, okay, maybe, but, um, you know, coupled with the trade after this, it's begs a lot of questions of what's going on with the Mariners ownership group and what have you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, I have nothing against Gino. I, I loved watching Gino play. He was a fun player. Um, you know, good, good. His good times were good. His bad times were bad like any player, but, um, uh, yeah, 12 million is quite, quite a bit for, you know, him kind of rapidly declining. I know you brought that up last off season, um, you know, about him. Um, could he maintain and sustain what he was doing? And I think we got the answer of no this season. Um, you know, just everything was down. So I wish Gino the best. Um, he's going to a good ball club in the diamondbacks. Obviously, they're coming off a, a World Series run that uh, um, a lot of people ca- called improbable. So hopefully, you know, he's just another piece that maybe helps them get over the hump a little bit, um, you know. But it's just kind of, you know, time to move on. And it sucks to say. So Yeah, and I would say that the Mariner, I don't know. I, the feeling I'm getting with both this trade and the main person in the next trade was just like the Mariners were kind of – I would say almost done with them. Right. I don't know if it's just a matter of, I don't know how you felt about it, but it was also a little bit of, yes, the salary dump was the main portion of it, but um, it just kind of felt like they were, they maybe just thought um, I would say poorly of these guys and their projections, I think going forward. So I think that those were also, you know, key motivators to a lot of these trades just kind of seems like they wanted to try something different. Um, Even though, you know, um, even though I think Eugenio is a good option, right? If you don't have a whole lot of other third base options, I think that's the thing that I struggle with is just that, you know, Eugenio is, is a fine, is a fine option at third base. If you don't have a whole lot of other options, so obviously that's what the Diamondbacks thought. And that's what the Blue Jays thought too, when they were interested in him. So it's a little frustrating. Cause I just think, you know, even though Urias looks like he's going to be able to fill the hole there, um, Eugenio was, was a fine option until, you know, it was a good mm-hmm. bandaid option until we could find something a little more permanent there. So I think that's the thing I struggle with it. Yeah, and it, maybe I'm just looking too much at his bat. He was very much a Gold Glove defensive third baseman this year, you know. Um, and that third, you know, that defense at third base is going to be missed. So, yeah, we keep dancing around this other tree, Bo. Let's just dive into it because this was this is the one that kind of broke the camel's back, especially for the Mariners subreddit. Um, Mariners traded Jared Kelnick, Marco Gonzalez, and Evan White to the Braves in return. Got Jackson Kolar and Cole Phillips. Um, before we talk about the players that we gave away, Jackson Kolar um, spent some time with the Braves. He was more a Royals prospect. Um, doesn't have the flashy numbers, 
but again, looks like a, a guy that could, you know, have his fortune turned around in this Mariners bullpen. And then Cole Phillips at the time was the Braves' number seven prospect, if I'm uh, remembering right. Um, I think he slots in, in in number nine or number ten in the Mariners organization after the move. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, a lot of a lot of potential. He hasn't pitched at the pro level yet. Um, we kind of have a classic, uh, what was it Brian Wu situation where he had a, uh, a Tommy John surgery and has yet to pitch, but, um, he's, he's got very promising stuff. Um, you know, what do you, what do you see from these two that we got in return? Um, you know, what do you, what do you like about them? I guess, if anything. Yeah, I think you've, I think you already summed up kind of the Cole Phillips side of it, right? Very Brian Wu. Brian Newell-esque and you add Cole Phillips with Teddy McGraw, who we got in the draft last year, who would have been, you know, probably higher in the draft if it wasn't for Tommy John surgery. I think we've got two pretty good lottery pick arms there that might end up becoming something right. Very similar to a Brian Wu. So I think that that's all very promising. Cole Phillips has a pretty strong, heavy fastball. And they say the other stuff is kind of developing with a, with a pretty good solid change up. So like, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, Cole Phillips in a, in a, in a system that right now that doesn't have a whole lot of pitching prospects actually anymore. Right. Um, Cole Phillips going to kind of help fill that void. So, um, I think that was fine. Um, Jackson Kohar, um, danced, danced around a couple of different times, but, um, uh, yeah, another strong, heavy fastball with, um, with more of a changeup instead of a slider. So again, the Mariners, you know, maybe not, uh, maybe changing it up a little bit. Honestly, he does have, he does throw a slider, but he is going to be a fastball changeup heavy with, um, you know, a little bit stronger fastball up in the upper nineties. So, um, yeah, very well could be, uh, very well could be another good arm out of the bullpen still struggles with his control a lot. Walked about six and a half per, per game in this year. I'm only in 23 games, but, um, could very well be another good bullpen arm. Just like we said with Carlos Vargas. Um, we've seen this before with numerous guys in the Mariners bullpen. So um, I do say that it kind of seems like the Mariners might be building to some sort of deal for a bullpen arm or of a bullpen arm. Um, we can talk about maybe who that might be, but you know, they've kind of got a lot of guys in there now that could fill some holes for, you know, if we do want to seek out another trade of, of a bullpen arm. So maybe that's something that we're also building to there, but um, I think the return is, you know, if we got these guys in an isolated move for something smaller, like I think that would be great. Right. But um, I think it's uh, and there's a reason why these these deals are, I think, are frustrating to a lot of people right now, just because we don't really know the outcome of it all. But um, the price of Jared Kelnick and um, the price of Jared Kelnick just seems really high. Right. And I know the and it just seems really high because we've you know, we've seen the greatness for Kelnick. We've seen, you know, the 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 uh i don't know whatever you want to call it we've seen him be the player that we want him to be we never really got that for a full consistent time so right i think that this might be another scenario where the mariners are just kind of ready to move on because i just don't know if the mariners see that in kelnick either i just don't know if they see him being that consistent guy that um they really expected him to be so i think that the deal probably and the deal like if it was by itself again it's probably okay like you're freeing up a good amount of money and you're getting rid of some some bad contracts, but it's just, it's just, it's just really tough to swallow with just the way that we're going about this. And the fact that we don't have any move to attach these two, right? Like we filled up all the space and we don't know what that was meant for. So I think that that's really a lot of the anger is coming from right now. It's like, we don't really know. We don't really know what it was all for. And it just kind of feels like right now, currently it was for nothing because we just don't, we don't have the other side of this, all these transactions yet. So I think that's the frustrating part. Um, 
Um, I, yeah. I, I get that. That's the frustrating part, but it's still early in the off season and it just watching people just flip out. If this, I I've said, if this is the roster that they field come spring training, you have a legit reason to be angry. You have a reason to go and cancel your season tickets or not spend a dime on this team. Like I've seen come spring training, but it is currently we're shooting this on December 11th, you know, and a lot of this came out last week. So it was December 4th, December 5th. It's like, why are we calling the season a wash already? You know, um, I get it. Kelnick was a very, had a very bright future. In a Mariners uniform, that bright future amounted in three years to basically a month and a half of potential showing that he might be here to stay. And he ended up netting us, you know, a couple of contract drops. You know, Marco got traded. He's not even on the Braves anymore. He's in he's in Pittsburgh now. They offloaded him there. And then Evan White got turned around and traded to, <laughs> to the Angels. He got sent back to the AL West. You know, so um, I think it's fair. In my mind, I think it's fair what they wanted to get those two contracts off the books. Um, Kelnick, I, I hope he turns it around. I made a joke the other day <clears throat> that Jared, you know, and I've been seeing it all over, so I'm not the only one to make the joke, but we could see him turn into an all-star in that lineup. Um, it's not a foregone conclusion, though, that he's, gonna start <laughs> um you know snicker brian snicker the um braves manager had has said that he's talked to jared and they want him to compete for that left field job obviously but the number one at that position right now is von grisham they're gonna convert him from a second baseman to a left fielder so it's like you know he's still gonna have his struggles having to battle it you know so um you know it sucks you you when we got him in the Edwin Diaz deal, he looked like a bright part of the Mariners' future, and it just hasn't panned out. And can he turn it around? He's got all the potential in the world to turn this around. I, I've never doubted that. But is he going to do it in a Mariners' jersey, or would he have done it in a Mariners' jersey? I don't think so. Right. I, I think that, I think that's what the Mariners probably ended up deciding, which is like I think they've I think they've cooled on Jared quite quite a bit, and. I think that's evident through through this move, how much they were just okay letting him go. Um mm-hmm. I what I would what I would what I would throw out there is like I think with this deal more so than the Haneo deal and maybe even like the Robbins Cano deal going back to it was like this deal, um it just there's a lot of there's a lot of gaps in the Mariners, I don't know what you want to call it, operations with this deal, right? Like we gave Marco a bad deal. Like we just, we gave Marco a bad deal and it didn't end up working out very well. Right. We gave Evan white a bad deal and it didn't end up working out. And we had to trade Jared Kelnick because of those bad deals. So like if I was to say there was some frustration, it was just that this deal was a hundred percent of the Mariners creation, right? Like we, we gave out bad deals. We, um, you know, didn't develop Evan White the right way or keep him healthy enough, however you want to put it. And, you know, it cost us Jared Kelnick. And, you know, we can argue that Jared Kelnick, you know, probably wasn't going to be as good of successful in a Mariner uniform, but now we're kind of, we're never really going to know. And if he ends up making it with the Braves, um, you know, the, there's going to be a lot of ire and anger on that side as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And I, and I think these deals in combination, I think my ultimate 
whatever you want to call it, frustration comes down to like, we could have all these guys, right? We could have Eugenio still, we could have Jared still and maybe see what he becomes. And the, the cost of not having them, right. The guests, you know, the cost of not having them is the guys that we got, which I just feels still very thin. So like, that's where I'm, Mm -hmm. that's where I'm like, we could still have these guys and we could still be talking about, Oh, we're getting Randy or Rosarino. We're talking about Horace Soler, right. We could have those guys and we could be talking about still getting them. I think that's the part that I'm like, we could have our cake and eat it too. Right. In a way we could still, we could still have Eugenio. We could still have Jared. We could still be talking about maybe getting some of them, but that's just not the case. And, I think we, we all know the reasons why, but um, that's just where we are. And, and like I said, you, if they, if this is the field, this, if this is the team that they come to field in spring training, absolutely be 100% pissed off about it. You know, I'll be probably mad about it too. Am I going to stop rooting for the Mariners? Sorry. I'm just not going to do that. I, I'm a glutton for punishment and love losing teams. I mean, go look at, the Seattle sports scene right now. Mariners are obviously falling off a cliff. The Seahawks can't win a ball game and the Kraken are, I think I calculated this as eight or nine straight losses last night with like four of them being in overtime or some, they're not getting blown out by any means. So um, (laughs) the only team, the only team that was really doing well this season was the Sounders and the Sounders got ousted in the semifinals of the uh, playoffs, the Western conference playoffs. So, I'm a glutton for punishment. I love losing teams. That obviously looks like, but um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the the reactions to this have been very knee jerk. Um, are we at a point where we can start calling to boycott? I don't. I don't think so. We can we can say until we're blue in the face that John Stanton continues continues to be cheap, but um, you know, I still don't feel like we have like a, <laughs> a hundred loss ball club that we need to be boycotting because you know they're raising prices and not not sticking a competitive club out there so uh, just... yeah yeah i uh it'll be a competitive club i think the you know we're gonna get to maybe some other moves that have happened around baseball i don't know if you know this so there were some other you know bigger deals that went down i don't know if you're fully aware mm-hmm. of that but mm-hmm. um yeah some other teams are making some moves and um I don't know. In some cases, maybe jumping ahead of the Mariners. So I feel like we might be falling a little bit behind. So maybe there's, maybe there's some angst, I think, and some anger from that point as well. But uh, we'll, we will dive all into it. I think I did want to pick your brain about um, a little subtle kind of ad that I think, um, I think might reap, reap some good benefits, but we added Brant Brown and Tommy Joseph to the hitting coaching staff. We finalized the coaching staff and those two kind of guys were the final portions of that kind of any thoughts about Brant Brown, Tommy Joseph, how are you feeling about the the hitting staff there? Uh, I just, I don't know much about them. I want to see what they add to the hitting component of the game because last year there was obvious stretches for the Mariners where they were not hitting well. And I think some of that got um, got attributed probably to the coaching staff. And we did see Tony Arnrich um, get reassigned because of it. Um, he's still on the Mariners MLB staff, but he got reassigned to the bullpen coach, took over for um, – uh, what's his name? Former catcher. Help me out here. Stephen Vogt. Stephen Vogt. Thank you. Um, best wishes for Vogt. Hopefully he does well. Was in Cleveland. He's in Cleveland. So, um, but I, I'm really interested to see what they bring, you know, what, what their hitting philosophy will be if it changes much at all. Um, you know, cause Jared DeHart is still there. Um, Brent Brown, 
uh, we mentioned this via text between me and you, um, does have that Jorge Soler connection. He is coming from the Marlins. So maybe he helps a little bit in, in maybe getting someone like Soler there, but um, very excited to see um, what they do. And, and Brent Brown, I actually have a couple of his baseball cards. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, you know, I think that's all very positive stuff and <clears throat> we're going to see what the final roster looks like, but um, I would go, I would go to, I would say like, I think this was evident in a little bit of what Scott was saying the other day too. Like we just have going to have to get better at doing, you know what we're doing and we're just going to have to kind of kind of grind some of these games out. And I think some of this is going to come down to like, we're just going to have to help, you know, that what's that scene in Moneyball where, um, <clears throat> where Billy beans talking about David justice and we're going to have to squeeze a little bit of more baseball out of you. The last little bit of that's there. And, you know, I don't know if we're at that point with some of these guys, but we're just going to have to like Luis Urias, the reclamation project, Dominic Kenzone is, you know, a little bit of a black box. Like some of these guys, we're going to have to try to, to form them. We're going to have to try to make them better. Right. And I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe some changes with the offensive side can, can do that, can unlock some different level for some of these guys. Yeah. And I, Ty France, you know, kind of gets lost in the shuffle here. He is going to driveline. We saw what they did with JP. I'm not saying, that it's going to happen, but we could get some of that production back and, and maybe add a, a winner to you to Ty Francis war, you know, just by him going there and, and coming back and being a better player because of it, you know, that could add a little bit production. And I'm, I'm guessing that's probably what Jerry sees as well. You know, him doing that, taking that commitment and, and going through and, and getting better as a player and hopefully comes back and, and does pull a JP and becomes a very key cog to this, this lineup. You know, if he, if he does that, I mean, it could be a very formidable formidable one two three with JP Julio and Ty France sitting one two three. You know, so um, there's a lot of what ifs though. You know, what if what if that doesn't happen? What if France, you know, doesn't come back the same or JP regresses? I mean, and we'll get into that sometime later in the off season. But um, you know, we talked about all these Mariners transactions. Um, I kind of wanted to go over a couple off season notes. Um, because there's one deal in particular, um, well, maybe two if you look at it, but one deal in particular that was kind of holding up the rest of the um, free agency market. Um, everyone was kind of on pins and needles waiting to see what Shohei Otani did. And it was finally announced uh, yesterday that Otani was signing with the Dodgers. Um, Bo, are you surprised by the contract he got? He got a 10-year $700 million deal, $70 million a year. They did say that some of that's going to be deferred. So he's probably going to be getting Bobby Bonilla money for 30 years after he's out of the league. But um, I mean, are you surprised about that number he got? Uh, I mean, super, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how to, yeah, I don't know anybody that would not be surprised by it. It's uh it's like 430 it's like somebody did the math it's like 432 dollars per plate appearance or something like that like each plate appearance he gets more money than like the average whatever median house i mean the average price home in america or something like that per at bat so yeah it's it's wild it's um it's kind of unbelievable if you think about it but um you know, I, I hope that I, I'm kind of unclear if like some of the medicals are still going through so they've still got to kind of work things out there but um you know, I would assume that things start to pick up from, from here, you know, we're already hearing like Yamamoto's meeting with the giants and 
couple other things going on there. So I would expect things to move on there, but, um, yeah, I was, uh, I think on the surface, I was, um, I was happy he didn't end up going to the blue Jays for, for reasons of getting him out of the AL. So that was, so that was exciting. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he wants to win. Right. And, um, yeah, I'm not surprised in the slightest of where he ended up going. Um, I think the money probably made sense. The money makes sense for, I think the Dodgers that they're just trying to, the Dodgers are trying to do something different, right. Trying to do something, um, you know, they're trying to get, obviously they're trying to win another world series and they're trying to change it up in the playoffs. And Yotani was probably the right guy to do that with. So yeah, who knows? I think there's all sorts of other economic things that go along with him, right. Um, face all over Japan, you know, um, the, the windfall that comes with that people waiting for Otani's Jersey. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little shocking. I think the number of face value of it, it's more than, you know, any of us could, you know, fathom or understand at this point, but, um, it's probably good for the sport at the end of the day, just the amount of money that's in it. And overall to have like a, you know, your, your star, get that amount of money and be one of your faces of baseball, I think is a very positive thing. So, yep. You know, you, you did mention that they want to, they're, they're trying to, get to another world series and you know that's that's great and all but when guys like will smith mookie betts and freddie freeman you know get lost in the shuffle in the playoffs and can't hit a baseball um i I don't think otani is going to help him too much you know so (laughs) um yeah we'll see we'll see how that goes um you were right i think they are waiting on some medical issues you know stuff obviously he's not going to be pitching this year but uh i don't feel like the dodgers have announced it yet you know he he announced it himself on his instagram and thanked angels fans and you know the dodgers for bringing him in but um the dodgers have not had that press conference i'm sure it's going to be a big press conference come that time but um yeah you know free agency side was waiting for that and the trade side was kind of waiting for Juan Soto, what was going to happen with Juan Soto? And we found out what was going to happen with Juan Soto by him getting traded to the Yankees. Um, the return on Juan Soto and Trent Grisham, he was included in the deal going to the Yankees, um, included Michael King, um, Johnny Brito, and three other names that seem to elude me. Maybe you have that deal up, Bo. Um I don't know. I think the Yankees got a pretty screaming deal um, on Juan Soto, even if it's for a year um, and they didn't have to give up Jason Dominguez or uh, Anthony Volpe or anything. Yeah. Drew Thorpe was the name that stuck out to me on the, on the side of the deal that I think has some good, pretty good potential, but um, I think, well, like, especially with this deal, the fact that it's like a one-year deal, this is all going to be like results-based, right? If the Yankees end up making the playoffs and making a run in the playoffs and get to the ALCS or even the world series, then I'm sure people will be like, oh yeah, very good deal for the Yankees, you know, ended up being a very good deal. But if they end up not going to make the playoffs, people are, people, you know, be complaining about how much of a garbage deal it was. Like, that's just the way I think these deals, especially like this go, but, um, I think in a Mar- in Mariners terms, right. I know a lot of people, you know, Otani and Soto, those were all guys that we, we hoped we were in on, right. Which I think the reality is we were, we weren't on these guys uh, in at all. Um, even if we offered a one year, $65 million um, contract, which I don't think ever happened, but um, yeah, I mean, you would have been talking about the Mariners. Um, yeah. Giving up 
yeah, probably Brian Wu. Um, maybe, maybe even, uh, you know, maybe even like they probably would ask for another, like Bryce Miller on top of that and then another piece. So, um, just be thankful that, you know, the Mariners at least are going to try to hold on to those guys and didn't want to give it up for one year. And I feel like that's probably the ultimate, the right move. Um, and it's just, uh, especially in this new state, this new era that we live in of financial responsibility or whatever you want to call it for the Mariners. Um, the Mariners have to kind of clutch their prospects a little tighter now. Um, I think just given that um, the purse strings seem to be closed a little bit. So um, happy that we didn't end up making the deal. Um, however, it does mean that the Yankees ultimately get better. And a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, um, honestly, I think has jumped in front of the Mariners. Um and they're above us now. So we gotta got gotta kinda get that back. I think that's the the struggle point of this one is just I think the Yankees are I think that would I would put the Yankees solidly over in sort sort of rankings over the Mariners right now. No, absolutely. I mean Juan Soto was definitely a needle mover. You know, I just don't think it was feasible for the Mariners to give up their future for one year of Juan Soto because you know he's gonna want to test that free agency market. But, you know, deals like this happening, Otani going to the Dodgers, Soto, you know, getting traded to the Yankees, starts opening up the possibilities of, of people getting moved and people, you know, the dominoes stop starting to fi- uh, finally fall into place. Um, I know Cody Bellinger um, tweeted a picture of Toronto. It sounds like he's interviewing in Toronto today. Um, you know, a lot of these a lot of these key pieces that um, people are looking to get signed are, are going to start falling into place and, um, obviously the Mariners interested in quite a few people or at least, you know, that's what we've heard through the grapevine here. Um, just off the top of my head, looking at our list here, uh, Isaac Paredes, uh, Jorge Soler, Josh and we're all on the, the radar here. Randy Arosa, Reyna may or may not be available for the Mariners. I mean, uh, the more that I see it, the more it looks like it could be, we could make a deal for him. Um, you know, and, and we talked before we kind of went on hiatus about how big Randy Rosarena would be for the Mariners. Um, you know, he, he, uh, did play for a hundred win ball club last season, but, um, you know, what kind of, you know, looking at it now, you know, seeing what all these deals that have happened, you know, Juan Soto, uh, what do you think it'd take to get Randy onto the Mariners trade wise? Um, so I, I think there's probably a couple of things that have to happen. Like, uh, I would think that the Rays probably still need to move Tyler. I think the Rays want to move Tyler Glass now. I feel like that's their whatever primary motivation to start off their off season. So like now that, um, now that Otani's moved, um, I think the market for Yamamoto still might start to go and then some of the pitching market might start to pick up and, then, you know, glass now might get moved. And then I think at some point after that, um, yeah, very well. I mean, it very well could happen at the same time, but, um, then you start talking about maybe more about a Randy Rose arena trade for, um, you know, one of the young pitchers that the Mariners have, um, I, you know, I keep getting, I keep hearing conflicting things about maybe the Mariners are going to move Brian Wu or Bryce Miller, or maybe they're just going to hold on to him and, you know, try to just build up this pitching staff even more than it is. And now that Marco's gone, some of that depth is gone. Um, it's, it's difficult to kind of read the tea leaves right now of what this Mariners team is planning. Um, I think for Randy Rosarina, it's, uh, I, I feel like a Bryce Miller for a Randy Rosarina trade is 
pretty fair, right? So like if you're talking about that, I think the Rays are likely going to ask for more in that circumstance, but um, I feel like that's a pretty fair deal. Um, so I think you're talking about one of those two guys, Brian Wu, then you're going to talk about plus um, to probably get Randy Rosarina. Um, so like that's kind of where the where the names are probably getting exchanged, but we also don't have a great understanding of if the Mariners want to move those guys either because it's just uh, it's been a, it's been an unpredictable offseason. I think the way some of these things have unfolded, I think we kind of thought that the Mariners were definitely going to move one of these guys, and now I kind of feel like we're in a little bit of a gray area of if we want to move, you know, Wu or Miller. Um, I think Hancock is certainly on the table, but. Um, you know, Hancock, it would have to be Hancock plus quite a bit to kind of still get, I think, Randy Rosarina. So, um, which I, which I might ask, like, I don't know if, do you think Randy Rosarina is like, I kind of feel like the Randy Rosarina is, I don't want to say the perfect, I want to say he's like, of all the players that are out there right now, he's kind of the one that I think fits the, the, everything the Mariners have kind of been looking for. So like, that's kind of why people have put them together, but I don't know if there's like real rumors out there of like the Rays are shopping Randy Rosarina. I feel like a lot of it's been like, Oh, the Rays should shop Randy Rosarina or like, Oh, they, they the Rays do raise things all the time. They could do this. So I think I'm still questioning whether or not the Rays want to do that. But um, yeah, overall thoughts on Randy. Do you think he's, is, is it, I think it's realistic. Do you feel like the Mariners should end up, you know, trying to do that if that was the deal? I want the GQ man of the year on our team. That's what I want. No. Um, I, I do think it's realistic. Um, <clears throat> I do think they asked for a little bit more, um, you know, than Bryce Miller or Brian Wu, or um, I could see him asking for both of them. That'd be an interesting conversation. I don't think the Mariners have necessarily left them out of the building, but um, I feel like they'd have to add something else on their side. Um, but, uh, out of, out of our left field options, cause I'd want him playing left field. Um, you know, not, not very great defensively. And I just don't feel like he's, you know, would be great in right field, but left field, I think it one of the better left field options, um, you know, out there right now, what, like you said, whether his name is actually out there is a different story. Um, you know, uh, but I, I do see that the Mariners probably do need to make a deal with the Rays or or should make a deal, um, if not just for a Rosa, Randy Rosarina, but maybe Paredes. Um, I, I'm kind of wondering if, like, Yandy Diaz's name has come up at all. Um, you know, there's a lot of intriguing um, – a lot of intriguing people on the Rays that I feel like would fill some of the needs that the Mariners have currently. Um, you know, maybe not in left field, but second, third base – um, you know, Paredes can play third base, obviously. Um, so I don't know. I, I, but I would love Randy on our team, Randy and Randy and Julio and left and center would be a okay to me. I would, I would have fun with that. Um, you know, people, I I've been having this discussion with a, a friend of mine, um, Brad Hill, and he, uh, he's a friend of a show of the show. Um, you know, he's been looking into Randy's stats and, and he feel he kind of feels like he's regressing a little bit. Um, you know, he had a very hot start last season for the uh the Rays. You know, they had the Rays have overall had a very, very hot start, um, uh, but kind of regressed towards the end of the season. His stats at the end of the season didn't look great. Um, but I think the potential is there for him to kind of have a bounce back. It'd be interesting to see 
how he plays in T-Mobile because he hasn't played there a lot. Um, we did see him at the All-Star game. Um, you know, part of the home run derby, which was fun. So, um, yeah, I want, I would like very much to have a Rosen right now on the team. Get to Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's worth calling out. Uh, it did only bat 220 in the second half of last year, 331 on base percentage, 369 slug percentage. So there is, uh, I don't know, not, not a cause for alarm, but it was still a 101 WRC plus. So yeah, there. There is a counterthought, right, to maybe some of the Randy Rosarina talk. I think a lot of us want it just because our lineup is so thin right now. So I think that's yeah. honestly, I think that's honestly probably where other reason there. I think Isaac Paredes, if we want to switch the gears there, I think Isaac Paredes is probably actually going to cost a little bit more just because he's he's not a free agent until twenty twenty eight. So you know you have him for a number of years, and he's going to be cheap this year. So I think Isaac Paredes probably costs a little bit more, but Isaac Paredes. Baseball savant profile kind of leaves something to be desired there. Let's just say a lot of blue. So, yeah, these guys kind of have, I don't know, it's, a, it's it's difficult to find a perfect fit for for what the Mariners are looking for right now with the Rays. Um, and, and one thing that I saw in Paredes, because you just brought up the blue, is there was an argument on the Mariners subreddit. There's been a lot of arguments there. But uh, so, someone was type, talking about Paredes. And what has made him successful in Tampa Bay. And um, he's hit a lot of balls to left field. I would like to see a spray chart. But they have they knew he pulled the ball a lot. And so that's what they worked on. And he got successful at pulling it down the left field line. And, and putting it on the left field wall. Um, could he do that in T-Mobile Park? I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Like Paredes could be one of those players that were like good now. And then he turns into a Colton Wong, you know, I think that needs to be an award that we hand out every year is the Colton Wong award for who had the most potential and just completely fell off a cliff. That sounds, so. that sounds good, but no, uh, that's a, uh, but Paredes a very heavy fastball hitter, right? Like did most of his damage against fastballs so it's still kind of young so you wonder if just the league is kind of catching up to him gonna start throwing him some more breaking pitches off speed stuff but um and that's that's what the league did to randy randy does not hit breaking balls well and so (laughs) i mean does he come in and he's another jared kelnick where they're just gonna throw him all breaking balls and he hits sub 200 like devil's advocate on all this right now (laughs) I love Randy Rosarena. Yeah. Got to get better at hitting the breaking ball. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, they I mean, the two teams right now. They look like they're they're good partners. But um, the I I don't know how you feel, but like for any trade that the Mariners are thinking about doing, like if they trade, if they do end up trading one of Bryce Miller or Brian Wu or you know one of those guys, that just kind of that's the big trade, right? Like that's your you're not out of chips to play, but you are running low. Right. So like, I think that's my, some of my concern, right. The opportunity cost of giving one of these guys up is really high, right? Like you're, you're giving up, um, you know, you could go trade Bryce Miller for something else, right. You could even trade, you could even wait and see if they have more value at the deadline. So like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of risk involved with getting rid of any of these guys because the, the, the options are out there. And if you miss on Randy Rosarina, it doesn't work out. If you miss on Paredes and it doesn't work out, then you've really kind of put yourself into a hole. So I think that that's, 
probably part of the reason why we've seen things just work slow this off season is just, I think the Mariners are being very calculated in the way that they're obviously trying to spend their money and uh, calculated in the way that they want to trade, if they want to trade, you know, one of these guys that they have to make sure that it's uh, that it's a slam dunk. And I think that that's the, the super complicated part. And it's probably why it's going to stretch, I think maybe into even next year. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. You know, we've, we've been talking about the Rays being big trade partners and you keep saying Bryce Miller, Miller, Brian Wu, they're all good trade candidates. The two names that you haven't brought up, or at least one name has been Logan Gilbert. Are you, you, you think we need to be looking at a for a bigger trade for him or what? Um, yeah, putting trades together is complicated. Like I know, like I myself like to go to baseball trade values and play around with stuff there. I like to just look at rosters and see those stuff. I think we all do that. Right. Um, but it's really complicated to find a trade for Logan Gilbert just because of Logan Gilbert's value right now. And, um, I do say I I do believe that at some point, maybe if things go south at the deadline this year or certainly next offseason, I think that there's probably a conversation to be had of moving Logan Gilbert and or Cal Raleigh at the same time, just given their um, who they've decided to represent them in 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 their uh, in their request, Absolutely. right? So I think that there is a conversation to be had with those guys, and they're going to start to be getting pretty expensive. So we're going to actually be kind of the we're actually going to be kind of the raise, right? We're going to be wanting to move guys that are going to be kind of expensive um, for more value, um, which is that's just the reality of the Seattle Mariners team at this point. So, um, yeah, I don't think that conversation happens now, but if it does happen now, um, it's difficult for me to even put together some sort of deal for Logan Gilbert just because, you know, Pete Alonso's out there, but Pete Alonso's only got one year left. Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, you know, maybe if you wanted to talk Randy Rosarina and Isaac Paredes, like then I could, then maybe there's a conversation to be had there for, for those two guys. Um, and then, you know, plusing and minus and on both sides or to, to make something work there. Um, so it's just really complicated to come up with a deal for Logan Gilbert, unless it's, you know, maybe both those guys. And then I would still even ask for like maybe a bullpen arm on top of that, because Logan Gilbert's value is incredibly high right now. And controllable young starting pitching is incredibly difficult to find. And Logan Gilbert has it obviously in spades. So, um, yeah, I just don't know if there's a good trade out there that I would be happy with on that front. Do you feel like there's, do you feel like there's some player out there or anybody that you would be happy with, or are you kind of in the same boat? I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, I've been, I've been a lot of the supposed trade, you know, deals that have happened in my head or talking with other people. I've, I feel like I've less gotten less off of the Logan Gilbert, more on the Brian Wu, Bryce Miller situation, them being a little bit more movable, um, for what is out there currently. Um, but you're, you're completely 100% correct. Um, you know, and, and maybe casual fans, maybe even somewhat, I wouldn't even call them hardcore fans, but um, moderate fans, I guess, don't realize that, um, you know, Mariners fans are going to have to swallow the f- the pill that is the fact that Scott Boris is, you know, the Cal Raleigh and Logan Gilbert's agent. Like, um, Boris clients are very, very well known to be n- no against any contract extension, and they're going to go and test the free agency market to kind of maximize their value. You know, Boris looks at it as like, let's get teams into a bidding war, you know, to get the the highest value possible out of you. 
you know, so it, it I, I'm, a, I'm a very big dumper fan. Very big. I, you know, favorite Mariner currently on the team, most likely. And um, I may have to s- swallow the fact that he's probably not going to be there much longer because of the fact that he's a Boris agent or Boris client. Um, you know, so uh, my, my suggestion to Mariners fans is to, don't get too attached to these guys. You need to still realize that baseball is a business and, you know, I want these players to go out and get as much as they're worth. Probably a big reason I kind of wanted, well, at the time kind of wanted college football players to go out and get what they're worth because they are putting their bodies on the line, you know, and for, for any sport, you know, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, you want to kind of maximize how much you can go get out of yourself because that's not going to be there all the time. You know, most, most good players play until maybe their mid to late thirties, you know, and that's rapidly approaching for some of these guys. So, um, yeah, just that's, that's a hard conversation to have though. It's a very, very hard conversation to have hard conversation, but I think it might play into like, um, it doesn't have to be that way. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And I think there's the overarching, whatever frustration that we've had this off season. It doesn't really have to be that way with Logan Gilbert and, you know, Cal Raleigh and their terms of like, they're not going to be free agents until 2028. Right. We're going to be talking about, um, you know, the next presidential election, the next time, like these guys are free agents, right? Like it doesn't have to be that way, but we have an ownership group that is going to make it that way. I think that's the frustrating part, right? It's like, Logan and Cal, like these guys could be affordable. We could keep them until that time. Right. Um, you know, uh, it's just that the, the state that Mariner baseball has become from a financial side is just that we have to think nickel and dime everything. And we have to throw the financials into every, anything and everything that we do. And, um, it just, uh, it's just frustrating. It's just complicated. Right. Because, um, you know, Chris Young and, Texas isn't really thinking that way. Right. And they were into, they were able to run the tables this year and certainly money doesn't dictate that you're always going to win the world series, but I think it helps. I think it can help in some ways. I think it can help, you know, change your perspective about the team. And um, it's just frustrating because it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to think about Logan. We don't have to think about Cal that way. Just like these chess pieces that we need to make sure that we move, right. We'll get our usefulness out of them and then we trade them away. Right. Like that's kind of where this is end up going, but it's just uh, super frustrating. That's the, that's the world that we live in now. Yeah, and, and we, with with this world we're living in, you know, we don't know. Bo and I were trying to calculate it before we started the show. We have somewhere between twenty and thirty million dollars to spend, with probably being closer to that twenty million dollars side. You know, so really, like, if that's the case, what are we doing this off season? Like, what what is the plan? I mean, again, it is. December. I know I've been harping on it's still December. It's still early, but it just, it makes me interested to know what the plan is because, you know, if we are in on someone like Jorge Soler, like they're projecting him at like $16 million, you know? So do we sign him and then just say, uh, we can't afford anyone else. Or do we sign him and go trade for a Rosarena and, and bump up that 20 million. Cause you know, it's projected that a Rosarena gets nine to $10 million in arbitration. You know, so that puts that at, uh, you know, quick mass, 24, 25 million, you know, 
So it's just who who knows what's gonna happen? And there's so many things in the play that I I really I guess it was explained to me that from from you know kind of the Doomer's point of view, um, the Mariners ownership group and and management don't get that benefit of the doubt anymore. You know, there's been so many years of just mediocre baseball in Seattle. You know this. This should be a time, you know, spawning off of last year's, um, you know, making the playoffs and, and, and you know, missing the playoffs by one game this year. This should spawn a almost renaissance in baseball for the Mariners. They should be willing to go out and spend. And now suddenly we have those couple year, good years of baseball and suddenly we're hamstrung by, you know, media deals and and ownership not one to put money in you know so it just how creative can we get before you know we just start selling off pizzas and we're looking like the mid 2010 mariners you know or early 2010s i guess mids were kind of we were kind of all right but early 2010s you know i was talking you know like i said saying i was talking to a friend brad hill I told him to go look up the lineup for Felix's perfect game. Like, go look at the lineup that the Mariners fielded then. Don't tell me we're at that point. You know, don't tell me we're at that point where we've got John Jaso behind the plate and, you know, Brendan Ryan at short and, um, well, what was his name? Not Trey Sean Robinson. Who, who was playing right field? It was, uh, oh, God. It was, a, it was a guy we got in a deal with the Tigers, but it's just like, don't tell me we're at that point yet, but all signs point to us potentially being back at that point too at some point in the very near future. Yeah, the reality of it right now is like we are, philosophy-wise, we are actually closer to probably the Rays than we are obviously the Dodgers, right? We are closer to the Pirates than we are other teams and um it's it's frustrating right it's it's uh we're we're coming to a point we're coming to that point i think and you've said that and i think we might be getting close to that now that might just be the reality of where we are as in our manner kind of progression here and it's frustrating to me right one of the things that i remember vividly from my kid from my childhood was the off season that we signed richie Sexton and adrian beltre and um you know, albeit, albeit like maybe that's maybe those aren't the two best examples, right? Of, um, you know, Vic, because you know, those guys, two guys didn't really, I don't think really they promised as much as they did in free agency, but like that was so exciting to me when I was, you know, I was whatever in early high school days, right? That was incredibly exciting to me. It was incredibly exciting to my family. Like there was hope that we were going to, you know, do better. And, um, I feel like that's what you should be selling, right? Like, hey, we're actually trying to invest in this team, we're actually trying to actively make this team better. And even if it, it, you know what, it didn't end up going well, right? It didn't end up working out the way we anticipated it to, but like I had an excited, I had a lot of excitement around the team and sure there was some disappointment, but we were at least trying with those guys, albeit didn't really work out the way we wanted it to. And I think that's the frustrating part. It just doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like there is a, there is a serious vibe from the ownership group that they want to win. I guess that's ultimately what it comes down to. It just doesn't seem like 
they just don't seem like serious people when it comes to the baseball realm of wanting to win baseball games. I think Jerry and Justin, I think obviously those guys want to win. Right. And I think Jerry and Justin are going to get creative as we've already seen with them reaching out in terms of like Josh Naylor and a couple other things. Like they're going to try to get creative and help this team win in some way. And we can disagree with how the, you know, they get to those points, but they actually, I think they do still want to win to have the team win, but I think they're just trying to move the pieces around to help do that. But um, the people that they work for, they aren't serious about helping this team you know, go any further. They want to win, but they want to win, you know, they want to win because it's going to help them financially build, you know, the team and, you know, build their own pockets. I think that's the frustrating part. It's just that $20 million is what we've seemed to have pushed around to try to get to this year. And, um, you know, $20 million of a billion dollars is 2%, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, of a person that has a net worth of a hundred thousand dollars, right? Uh, that's that's $2,000, right? That's a new fridge, right? That's a new fridge. It's the same amount. It's the same equivalent, right? Like that's where we're at. It's like we've nickeled and dimed this over the cost of a, you know, equivalent to a new fridge from somebody that has like a hundred thousand dollar net worth. And it's just, it's wild to me that that's where we've ended up now. Um, so anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I just, <clears throat> I want to remain optimistic. I really do because so doom and gloom these this time of year right now um there's i'm not i'm not on board with the old boycott the team and i'm not on board with you know everything that people are knee-jerk reaction you know their knee-jerk reactions are saying right now but um obviously like i said if if spring training time comes and this is the roster we're fielding you have every right to be bad you really do because then that just shows that they're pocketing that 20 million and what the heck go use that to go sign us some winners, someone that's going to make this team better. So, and look, I would say like there, there is, there is legitimate concerns and it seems like around baseball, there's this whole issue with, you know, regional sports networks, you know, mm-hmm. either falling through, there is a legitimate concern about that. And I get that, but, um, Root Sports is also nickel and dimed and cut out people and, you know, cut out dish. And you, I think there was arguments about who, you know, raised, raised the prices there and what have you, but something needs to change there as well. Um, something needs to happen that the shoot needs to drop and kind of the, the regional sports network side things as well. So there is a legitimate concern there, but um, all I know is that all I'm going to say is this, right? It's like, if you are concerned about that and you're concerned about people not, um, paying the higher price for it, which I completely understand. Right. Um, I know that the, the, the thought process of a, you know, somebody that I don't know, I want I don't want to call him a winner, but I feel like the thought process of a, of a Steinbrenner back in the day or Peter Sedler or, um, you know, Cohen from the Mets would be like, I want to give them reasons to buy the package, right. Rather than give them reasons not to buy the package. And that's the thing that I think frustrates me is mm-hmm. like you're actively as a self-fulfilling prophecy for you to say, Oh, we're not going to invest in this team more because we don't think people are going to pay the higher package, right? Like give them a reason to buy the package, go get, you know, bring a Blake Snell in. That's what, let's do that. Hometown boy, bring a Blake Snell in, maybe give them a reason to do that. Bring a Jorge Soler in, like make a trade for Randy, you know, bring on the extra arbitration salary, what have you there. Like actively give them reasons to want to buy it rather than believe to yourself like, Oh, people aren't going to buy it in the first place. So why are we even going to try? And I think that's the frustrating part is we just don't have a, we don't have an ownership team that I think is ever going to want to go for it. And I think that that it's a tough pill to swallow. 
it's funny that you brought up Steinbrenner because I, in past conversations I've had, I brought up Steinbrenner as well. And I, you know this, and it was the same for you. I hated the Yankees, you know, in the 90s, 2000s. I hated everything they stood for. You were buying baseball players. But there's one thing I cannot knock Steinbrenner for, and it's that he loved that team. He he was fully committed to seeing them win. You know, and he, you don't see that as often, but you see those guys be successful. There's a reason that well past him being gone and dead, we still talk about Steinbrenner. It is because he brought championships to that team. You know, I don't get that feeling with Stanton. I don't feel like he, he's there to run it as a business. And that sucks to say as a sports fan. I don't want to see it as a business. I want to see it as, you know, us winning ball games and bringing pride to this fucking, this team. So, I might have to tag this one as explicit today. So You should have let me know that. You should have let me know that before. I could have, I could have said other things. How dare you? God, God darn it. Um I, but there you Thank go. Thank you for you. You see, you, you cut yourself out there. <laughs> you had your chance. You had your chance. So, anyways, I guess I'm tagging this explicit. I'm sorry, guys, but it's just I don't know. Bo and I are very passionate. And what we've seen from the last three weeks, you know, especially this talk today, has me think me you know rethinking what people are being mad about. You know, you you do bring up legitimate concerns like. You know, it's just ownership not wanting to, to put out the dough, not wanting to make that package a sweet package to come and buy, you know, and and it's still early, though. It's still I will remain on that. It is still early. That was my mantra in April last year. Still early. It's still early. And we got a pretty good winning ball club in August. So it's still early, but I, I don't know. Is it going to change? Your guess is as good as mine. So I say it's going to be a creative off season. I think that's all I've got to say. It's I think Jerry and team, the lineup is going to look not, I would say, I was going to say far as drastically different, but it's going to look, it's going to look a little different. I think the moves that we've talked about, maybe some of the guys we talked about might get on the team, but um, very likely something that we're not even anticipating is on this team right now. And yeah, I think Jerry and team, uh, they put Jerry and team in a really tough spot. So just buckle up because it's going to be the moves I think are going to be quite interesting. And and Jerry and team are 100% going to be the scapegoats in this. You know, I, I can't say Jerry's done a bad job throughout his tenure because he's really revamped that that farm system. Um, he has brought in some some bigger names, the Luis Castillo's, the names like that. Um, but um, 100% going to be the scapegoat if ultimately all this goes south. You know, and and it it's tough to say because, you know, he's not the one that's restricting the budget. I'm sure he would want an unlimited budget just like anyone else. Yeah, it's difficult to blame the bus driver when they're not the one that puts the gas in the bus, right? Like it's difficult to, you know, I guess it's difficult to blame Jerry a lot. I think there's are things, legitimate things to blame on Jerry, like we talked about today. Mark Gonzalez deal, Evan White deal, some of his early drafts were kind of duds. There are some things that I think Jerry just has struck out on, but it's becoming more difficult to blame Jerry in a lot of ways because um, 
I think Jerry does want to spin. Jerry's done that before with Robbie Ray and extending Luis Castillo. Like I think Jerry actively sees that there's an opportunity there, but um, I just think that he's going to get the handcuffed and getting the rug pulled out of him in a lot of different areas. So it's, um, it's incredibly difficult. I feel like if it was my job, I would be frustrated about the, the resources that I'm given or limited resources there, but uh, you know, he's going to have to get creative. He's going to have to try to, you know, do something different from this team that we've seen in a little while. So um, we'll see what he's got in store. Yep. Yep. Well, Bill, I think that's where we're going to kind of cap it. Um, I'm sure we got a lot of stuff to cover next week too, especially, you know, after we have a week of seeing where some of the dominoes fall, there's a, should be some big names that, that ultimately get signed in probably the next week. So um, before we get out of here, Bo, you got anything for the, uh, the fans out there? Uh, I don't think so. Glad to be back and glad to be chatting about baseball. So thanks everybody. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for coming back and, and listening to us. Like I said, we've been, we, we might've not been shooting podcast at the time, but we've been looking at the numbers and, and seeing you guys listening to us and, and we're just very thankful for that. So hopefully we, uh, we continue to have some of the best Mariners content, um, you know, on our different social media or on our different podcast listening apps. So um, just stick with us. It's going to be a wild off season. So for all our listeners in the Puget Sound Pacific Northwest and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week on the Forks Down podcast. Brother, 